Boom. Hello and welcome to the Protector Nation podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place, making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous. In this podcast, we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect, to protect your family, to protect your loved ones, because we all know that you have a few basic needs, food, water, and shelter, but you also have the need to protect those things in a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked. Learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show. Out. Boom! What's up, you guys? Byron Rogers here with another awesome episode of the Protector Podcast. Uh, We have an honored guest today, uh, someone who comes highly recommended by some of the guys that I really respect, kind of out of Ed Calderon's camp. And uh, he's also knows Tom Kyer and some of the giants in the game. Tom Leitner of Adaptive Concepts. How you doing, brother? Doing great. Proud to be here. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for doing this one late at night, brother. Thanks for doing this one late at night, my man. What do I got to say? Uh, <laughs> when the time comes, the time comes. It doesn't matter what the time is. If it's yeah. late, it's late. If it's early, it's early. You know, you don't really get to call that. No, nah, I dig it. Stay ready. You ain't got to get ready, man. <laughs> That's the game. Exactly. That's Stay what ready. we do. Heck yeah. Um, so, you know, let's dig into this content, man. I was... Let's see. I've, I, one of the reasons I really was drawn to your brand was because of, you know, I've been training pistols and, you know, trying to do a little bit more blade work and hand-to-hand stuff and, you know, broadening my, um, kind of my force options uh, over this last year and trying to be less linear with that. But I noticed a lot of your courses have a lot to do with how to really survive and a lot of even like not necessarily soft skill things, but the escape and evasion and all these different components that are skills that I think civilians need so badly, but everyone's focused on the gun, sexy bang, bang stuff, you know? Um, And I I think that's awesome, man. So, yeah, that actually is a, a, one of the more interesting aspects, I ask people this all the time, and sometimes it's just people I uh, start talking to on the street or it's people at work or wherever the case is. It's like, what is your definition of survival? What is your idea of what survival is? Right. And um, the answers I get are really interesting. It's always something to do with like wilderness survival or making a fire or, you know, surviving a gunfight or TCCC. And at the end of the day, almost all those people are failing to see what their idea of survival is. Okay, and, and and these answers are coming from them, but what they're failing to realize is that everybody has a survival strategy. In modern mm. days, our survival strategy is fairly simple. You go to school, you get your diploma or your degree or your doctorate mm. or whatever it is. You get a good job, you start a family, buy a house, you know, maybe invest in the stocks, and you know that's their method of survival uh and and it's a valid one because it's the Mm -hmm. one that currently is most successful the problem is these are the ones that help us every day Mm -hmm. survival isn't necessarily just about every day it's about your worst day how are you Mm going to react Mm -hmm. and that's where people like yourself for uh Sayoc, Atienzas, um, Ed Calderon, any of the survival groups, um, 
like Kevin Estella or Fieldcraft Survival, all those people, those are the people that you want to learn from for your worst day. And right. most people have a gigantic hole in that game. They don't really know how to handle that stuff. And, you know, that's Dude, where we come in. That's savage. You want to, I mean, like, I, it's so savage. Because one of the things we talk about, I'm sure you've heard, is it's not about, this isn't about a job. It's not about a stinking training event. It's about the lifestyle you're putting behind what it is you want to be able to stink and deliver. And, you know, I, I try to remind people, especially at the end of the training events, like, yo, look, okay, we did it. We did it. We got sweaty. We got messy. We got a little bit bloody. But, um, yo, the dude you're training to face is out there right now. He's out there on the street corner right now. He's in jail earning his stripes right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's getting his jihad on right now. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, he's in the gym maybe right now. You know what I'm saying? He's 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 getting jumped in to his click right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he's gonna live that life all the way up until your guys' paths collide. And are you gonna have the habits and the and and everything that should go into your life to be able to help you survive that encounter? Or are you gonna have like a once upon a time fun training you paid to go and your instructor went gentle on you because he wanted you to come back and spend some money with him? Is that is that, you think that's gonna hold up? Let's buy those belts and feel better about ourselves. That'll help. Yeah, us. participation trophy training. What my man Mike Pannone says something like, uh, "Participation doesn't mean competence." Essentially, and I'm like, "This is this is something to be considered, man." That's good stuff. You mentioned your worst day. That's supposed to get you to your worst day. It's so good. Do you have a worst day that you can talk about on here? Uh, worst day actually comes from when I was a child, uh, Good stuff. I, I grew up in a particularly rough part of New Jersey. I moved a lot before I actually wound up uh, joining the military, but probably my worst day, I was, uh, walking through a town with one of my friends who had just came back in the area and he was not really liked at all. And it, we thought it was okay. We wound up getting surrounded by about five or six people and they had weapons. One of them mm -hmm. had a gun. Okay. And um, it wasn't a good time at all. I really didn't know how to react because at that point, I had never faced weapons. I just started going to work. And yeah. fortunately for me, the person that had the gun, like most people that are on the street or are young or inexperienced, did not know what they were doing. Yeah. So we walked away from that one. Yeah. Um, that was probably the light bulb moment for me. Right. You know there's something more out there besides, you know, doing your katas or earning your belts or, you know, mm. playing airsoft or whatever it is in the middle of the woods. It, there's more to this game. And not only is there more to the game, but there's so much more at risk. Yeah. Um, if you win, you get to walk away. Yeah. If you lose, it's up to the person that's holding those uh, reins at that point. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got a tactical protection review coming. That's all about that, man. And I was watching some dude get tuned up on the street and I was like, you're at the mercy of your enemy if you lose, man. It's a, it's a very powerful consideration. Another thing that I've found in this game that's very interesting trying to like, you know, like empower people is unfortunately for many of us, it really takes some trauma to get them on this path sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And uh I don't know. I think a lot of what my brand's about is like microdosing trauma through like videos and digital things just to tap people and be like, yo, any given day, man, it don't even got to be Sunday. Any given day, you'd be sitting in your car and it can go down, you know, sending a text message and not paying attention for a few minutes. 
and the world can change on you. You know, that uh, Ouroboros, as my man, uh, as, as uh, oh, what's my favorite therapist right now? The Ouroboros says, uh, oh, his name will come to me soon. The guy who wrote uh, 12 Rules for Life. And, um, 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 huh? Jordan Peterson? Yes, that our Jordan Peterson always talks about that chaos that's swimming underneath the surface will come up and get you. Um, so yeah, that's just a consideration for all you out there. Just because nothing's happened don't mean nothing's going to happen. These skills are basic. You need them. Yeah, that, that's a uh, normalcy bias. I run into that a lot. And uh, yeah. a lot of people think that it, it, they've never seen anything happen before, so it's never mm. going to happen to them until it does. Right. Right. And then you don't have the software to keep up with it. And you're like, why is you're like, this isn't happening? Why is this happening? Oh, no. And then you're like, what am I going to do by then? I mean, you're on the right side of bang. You're you're behind the power curve. And that's why software is so important. The systems we run to navigate these things, man. Yeah, that reaction when something does finally happen. I mean, the first thing that usually happens to people that have never really prepared for that moment is the next thing that happens. Uh that gets people to be, you know, the victim at that point. And that's that cognitive dissonance. They, just mm-hmm. like you just said, they don't believe it's happening to them and they don't have a proper response. Right. And sometimes they just freeze up. And you see that in some of the videos that both of us have posted. Yeah. People just don't respond. And you're like, what are you doing? What are like, you pack do? or run away. Use some of that Nike foo or get in there and get some of that gun foo in there. Yeah. But a lot of people like to have a plan as it happens, they don't have that plan prior to the fact. And if you don't plan for these things, you're not going to be able to respond properly. Yeah, you're a victim. Awesome, man. Now I dig it. This is going to be a good one, man. So question number one, I keep it at number one, man. People that follow along with the podcast see it coming, but sometimes I'll be catching people off guard. Who are you at your core, Tom? What's it all about? So who am I at my core? I actually used to ask a question to uh, a lot of people, uh, mostly adults, you know, what is life? Uh, what do you, how do you define life? And I didn't really get a good answer until I asked a six-year-old. And uh, the six-year-old sat there. He really, at first, didn't look like he understood the question. But then he came out with an answer that just stunned me. And basically, life is meant to be lived. And I live every day with the intent of making it interesting enough for somebody else to write my story. Somebody after that is going to read it. And that there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, as you were saying uh, before with Two on Top Hire, it's like you want to be somebody that anybody can, you in your circle, in your tribe can go to and depend on and rely on. Mm-hmm. And that is a very important factor. But how do you get to that point? Um, you have to live life as it's meant to be lived. You have to enjoy it, but you also have to go out there and experience every aspect of it, both the good and the bad. Yeah. And that's who I am. I, I, I try to make life interesting. And you take a look at what's going on in this last year with COVID, everybody's panicking and some people are better off than others. Some people are really rough. I've known a lot of people right mm-hmm. now that they're just struggling. And I'm looking yeah. at this as the biggest opportunity that I've seen in a long time to just yeah. live life and enhance it some way, shape or form. Get out right. there, learn something, get new skills, meet new people on mm-hmm. the internet, I guess. You know, keep that distance. But um, I don't let anything slow me down. Uh, and you really have to just keep on growing and evolving. And that's what it is. It's just live life. Yeah, man. No, I dig it. I love that, man. It's like, 
I call it the alchemy of the mind, man. I'm going to make everything that happens serve me and and serve the mission, you know? So, now nah, I dig that, man. Life is meant to be lived. Live life. That's good. Because a lot of people have fear stop them from doing that, you know? <laughs> like, they just do. They fear it or they get put inside that box where they think they have to just go to that nine to five, clock in, clock out, watch a football game, maybe barbecue on the weekend, and that's it. I, yeah. That's that's not living life. That's participating. That's yeah, man. That's surviving, right? Uh, how did you get into what you're doing? Uh, that was a bit of an interesting story, and yeah. it comes down to networking, really. Uh, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I didn't do anything super significant in the Marine Corps. I was a mechanic, mm-hmm. uh, did a little bit here and there, got out, and I realized, you know, I'm really good at teaching stuff um, physically. And I wanted to get into the gun game. And the first group that I came across is on point tactical. And uh, I got really excited because they were in New Jersey and then kind of let down because there was no gun stuff. It was all uh, wilderness survival and urban escape and evasion. And that's what got me. Yeah. Um, I started taking classes with them. I apprenticed with them, uh, Kevin Reeve, for a little bit. And through Kevin Reeve, he linked me up with Juan Tom uh, Kyer. Okay. Um, from there, I just started linking up with former Navy SEALs, Green Berets, some Delta Force guys. And I would realize at that point that it's really important not just to find people that are capable, but people that actually know how to teach the material mm. as well. Yes. Because sometimes you get some of the best, most skilled people in the world, but they really don't know how to break it down to a point where you can actually learn it. Yeah. Um, and they're like, do it, just, just do it. Like pick up, honestly, man, I can be like that when it comes to certain topics. I'm like, just pick up the gun, point at the target. Here's your five steps and just do it. Just do it (laughs) when it comes to certain things, you know, other things I can really dive into, you know, but yeah, I, I totally know what you're saying. And, um, after a while things just got one after another and people started getting referred to me and I realized there was something to this, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And that's at that point where I was like, there's no standard job that I'm ever going to be happy with. Mm. This is it. it. And Mm. I've been putting my time in for about 15 years now where it's like, this is what I got. I love it Mm. to death. And I can honestly say that there's not a single Monday morning that goes by where I'm not looking forward to going to work and, you know, teaching some people. Heck yeah. Great skills. Man, that's awesome. An instructor that's passionate about teaching is like, that's where you want to be, you know, and an instructor that's passionate about watching you get it is where you want to be, you know, like that's, that's the game when it comes to finding people to learn under. So I hope y'all are listening. That's good stuff, man. And then for a man to find his purpose, man, man to find something he's like, yo, I would be doing this if I doing it for free. You know, that's really when you're winning in life, man. That's good stuff, man. What would you say is your mission these days exactly? That is a really good question. Um, My mission, first and foremost, is to get home. Hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people forget about that mission because at the end of the day, we all have families and friends in our tribe that we have to help take care of. Yeah. And uh, some people think that they would do this or do that in in the face Mm -hmm. of some of the stuff that we've kind of encountered or we see laid out on the news. And it's like... Mm -hmm. You would, maybe, maybe you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But how does that help your family? How does that help your tribe? Mm-hmm. So first and foremost is to get home and make sure that my people are taken care of. Yeah. 
my next mission is finding where my weaknesses are mm. and then just attacking them and yeah. making myself a better person every chance I get. Uh, as uh, we hear a lot in PSYOC and uh, mm-hmm. Juan Thomas talked about this uh, a few times. It's about killing your clone. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to get into that because that's his spiel, but yeah, my it's such a good spiel. Things. I love that spiel, man. Anyways, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you can't match that. So uh, mm-hmm. if you really want to learn about it, those of you that are watching and listening, find those podcasts and listen because it'll change your world. Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up every morning knowing that yesterday I killed that person. Awesome. So there's a lot that went on there. And it's not just about the fight that's you know physical. It's about that fight that's up here, too. Mm-hmm. You have to learn. You have to expand your mind. Hundred percent, man. No, that's that, exactly. That's my mission. Yeah. No. When I start and I started doing these kind of tactical uh, protection reviews, I'm like thinking that I'm going to be talking about techniques and tactics. I'm finding that I spend most of the video just talking about the software. I'm like, did you see the way that dude moved right there? You see him loading up on his right foot. You see it. I'm like, if you don't have the software up here, you, your perspective will dictate your performance. These civilians got blindsided because they couldn't recognize the moment when this turned from social to actual physical violence. And that's the stuff we recognize. You know what I'm saying? You don't realize how many people don't have that software in there, man. So it's, the software game is like the soft skills, the mind game, the perception that you got to be seeing through the stinking matrix or is you're not even in the game, man. Anyway. Yeah. No, I dig it, man. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Get home. Number one mission, you guys, and attack your weaknesses. I love it. And make assets out of people around you, man. That's what's up, which I know you're all about. We're about to dig into that here in a bit. Oh, Tactic- yes. <laughs> right. Tactical background. Tactical background is, uh, I would call unorthodox. I, I yes. come from a, uh, I like it. <laughs> a childhood of delinquency. Uh-huh. So uh, I never got caught. Yes. We'll leave it at that. But I, I had a, a pretty dynamic childhood is the word that I like to use. And uh, when people hear like the details of the story, um, they, they wonder how I, I'm, I am the person I am without being in jail or dead or, you know, with holes in my arms doped up or something like that. It, and it really comes down to the fact it's like, I learn from the mistakes of the people around me. And that's why I started doing what I do, uh, you know, linking up and finding a good mentor and a good instructor is one of those things. Mm-hmm. I had mentioned Kevin Reeve and uh, Tom and the rest of the tribe from Sioc and Atienza, but there's also other people. Uh, one of my buddies, Mike Warren, for, former seventh group, another guy, uh, Smitty, William Smith, former fifth group. Great guy out of Kentucky, um, Eddie and Julie Starnader from Practical Primitive. Those guys helped me with the wilderness survival a little bit. But yeah. when it came down to it, it's just like there's so many people I can name here. Uh, Mike Green right. is another one who helped push me on the right path in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Only took one class with him, but a lot of uh, discussions we've had. You know, it, sometimes it's not necessarily about, you know, pulling that trigger or throwing those pads. It's, you know, getting those light bulbs turned on in your head. Yeah. Um, probably tactically the uh, two most important people for me would be uh, Rich Graham and um, probably J.D. Patinsky and uh, mm. Northern Red. Yeah. The Brothers. Northern uh, Red. I'm going to catch up with them. 
again, uh, with JD and Tom Spooner, only one class really, but they lit off enough light bulbs to kind of push me down my path. It, it, mm-hmm. Something you're never going to forget. But uh, yeah, that's where a lot of that comes from. And then obviously with Tom Kyer and his crew, with yeah. but um, yeah, the, a lot of it, that's just hours and hours of work. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's very significant, especially in the executive protection realm. I have a lot of guys ask me like, hey, man, can I still do this work without having a military law enforcement background? Or can I still, is your event open for like civilians? You know, and I'm like, dude, the protector events are open for anyone who wants to learn the art of protection. Good people, making good people more dangerous, more willing, capable and prepared. That's our mission. And it's like, you know, you guys, the info, this is the age of stinking information. Make yes. no mistake. Bad guys got computers. Okay. They are getting after it. They are consuming this trash. They're coming better at their craft every single day. The battlefield's evolving exponentially. That's why I love Ed stuff too, man. But it's just like, you guys get the information, get the training and sharpen your edge. Cause you can, you can get a really sharp edge well, with, with some focused time with the right people, man. And it's huge. It's huge. It is. And one of the things I like to kind of remind people is back in, I guess it would be the early 2010s. Yeah. We had a trend and I'm not going to name anybody cause it wasn't necessarily their fault, but I called them YouTube warriors. They would go on YouTube where they'd buy DVDs. And they yeah. would start replicating all these drills and whatnot. And like, if you aren't experienced, you're not going to get anything good out of those drills because you're missing the minutia. You're missing the specific details that make that drill effective. Mm-hmm. And I see, I can tell those people right off the bat, all the ones that learn off of YouTube, and I'm not mm-hmm. uh, knocking them because sometimes that's all you got. And if that's mm-hmm. all you got, you know, work with what you got mm-hmm. and then move forward and try to figure out, okay, how can I improve this? Who do I know? Or how do I get in contact with those people that'll help yeah. you out? Experience also is one of those things where, you know, YouTube will take you so far, but eventually you're going to have to put it to the test and see if it doesn't, if it actually works. Yeah. 100%. Does it work or doesn't it? Yeah. Sometimes that magic juju you saw on YouTube. The magic beans, man. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it'll work, sometimes not so much. And that's the thing, man. And that's literally that is so what is was it the Germans or was it I want to say it was Napoleon Bonaparte that talks about the fingertip feel that you need to get for the battlefield. You need to get this feel for what's actually going on. And you can't get that just through the auditorium. That's why with the Protector Symposium, like this year, I was like, okay, the symposiums are cool. We're working software. Now I got a hard skills component. That's what Tom Kyer is going to be one of the instructors. Yeah, he's going to dispense information and knowledge from the podium. Next two days, we're going to go ahead and whip it on and get hands on, man. So that's that for that exact reason, man, I changed the whole format this year it's it's because we just know there ain't nothing like putting a little pressure on it you know what i'm saying i went to a knife fighting class recently we're all doing you know practicing with our partners practicing with our partners and then they're like okay we're gonna simulate a knife fight here's your tool here's your tool here's a white shirt and it's like <laughs> did anyone implement anything they learned in the class ah. uh, i don't know maybe not <laughs> you know what i mean because you know replay yeah, man. So you got to get that fingertip feel so you can even become inoculated and learn to think enough to implement yeah. this trash, you know? 
it's very inoculation and proven what you have just learned is actually learned are two very critical points yeah and if it can't be tested at speed man craig douglas if it can't be tested it replicated at speed i don't know if it works man <laughs> that's you good take a look at a lot of places that train and i kind of not to kind of rag on them at all but a lot of places just people paying for an adventure to say they went there and did it right right but do they really have the capabilities like you said to replicate it to speed and make sure that it's effective in the real world and most of the time you know people take those classes and that's where they stop you gotta keep it up these are perishable skills yeah the habits the lifestyle man and guess what the bad guys are out there scrapping with each other right now and they know it works and they know it doesn't work and they're inoculated to it and they seen it before with a yeah. T. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> on point. So what would you say about Sayoc as a uh, knife fighting overall way or discipline? Does it have real world application or not? I just want to see what you think. So I've been training in Sayoc now for uh, about five years. And one of the things that jumps out at me is, Styok is not just knife fighting. Get it is every aspect of being a better person and a better warrior. Nice. So if you are solely focused on the knife or the stick game, you're don't bother because you're missing a huge portion oh, wow. of it. Okay. Um, it, it's about the brotherhood and the sisterhood. It's about the camaraderie. It's about the tribe. It's about you know how you think, why you think, how you react how to avoid stuff, how to help each other out, the medical aspect of it, the gun game to it, the survival. I mean, there's so much to unpack with Sayoc or Atienza really um, that you really need to just sit there and realize that like you were saying earlier, it's a lifestyle, but it's not a lifestyle about you. Hmm. It's a lifestyle about the person to your left and the person to your right. And no matter where I go in this country, I know I'm good. There's somebody I can depend on for whatever I need and vice versa. If anybody in the country comes here, that's tribe, they got a room here. You know, I'm there to help them out. All you got to do is call me up and I drop what I'm doing. It's as simple as that. Uh, You're not going to find that in almost any school that I've been through about 15 different styles of martial arts over the years. Yeah. And you don't get that anywhere else. Um, but at the same time, you have to be dedicated. This is not something that you're just going to be able to go once a month or so. This is something that, you know, you're in it. This is your family. Don't fail your family. Mm. Don't fail your family. You ain't going to Valhalla, you fail your family. (laughs) That's like my new favorite thing, man. I'd be watching movies yelling out, yo, you ain't going to Valhalla if you die like this. Anyways, that's good. No, that's good stuff. Better down on your feet, not on your knees. 100%, man. Every single time. Uh, absolutely. So being an asset, what do you mean with that? I, I, I see it around in your brand a lot. Break it down. So uh, probably about 10 years ago or so, I had a question. Somebody asked me, and it was kind of an odd question. I was taken aback by it because the person was a little bit older than me. Okay. But um, they asked me how they could be a better man. Ooh, ooh, it's heavy. That's spicy. It is. And, uh, you know, I hadn't actually been posed that question. So I was like, let me let me uh, digest that. Let me think on it. And uh, the first thing I told him was like, go take a dancing class. And it kind of <laughs> threw him back. And it's like, if you know how to dance, you know how to move. If you know how to move. You can do everything else with ease. It's very true. 
That's um, very true. <laughs> That's really yeah. good advice. Go take a dancing class. Plus, you know, ladies like to dance. So yeah. The next thing, though, and this is the one that kind of really drove it home for him is um, I ask myself in every single group that I'm in, uh, whether it's at work or my group of friends or with the tribe or, you know, it doesn't matter where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I look around me and I ask myself a very simple question, but it's also really hard because most people can't answer this without injecting ego and pride. Mm-hmm. You need to get rid of those. Mm-hmm. Are you an asset to this group? Or are you a liability? Now, that answer is going to have a lot of work regardless of what you answer. If you're a liability, you need to find those people that are better than you in whatever area you're a liability at and learn as much as possible to become that asset because mm. that is your job until the day you die is to improve yourself, mm. to make yourself somebody that others can look to for help, for anything, really, for leadership, for mentorship, for guidance, uh, just for support. Sometimes mm-hmm. people just need to listen. And sometimes yeah. you're the person that has to open up your ears. Um, but either way, you need to put in that work and you need to find those people that are better than you. Because at the end of the day, if you look around you and you're better than everyone else, you're doing wrong something room. wrong. <laughs> you're in the wrong room, man. You're in the wrong room. It's time to up your yeah. game and surround yourself with better people. That doesn't mean get rid of those people. That means you need to surround yourself with better people that are more capable than you, because I guarantee you there's a bigger fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's all the other answer, though, is actually uh, I I think is more critical. It's more important. Mm. If you're an asset, if you look around and you're an asset, you need to find the weakness in your group of people and you need to make sure that they're on your level. So you've got a lot of work to do, because sometimes these are concepts that people are not ready to accept. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and, and you really need to work hard to get them on your level. Uh, every time I look around, my question is always the same, but my answer is always different. Hmm. And because of that, I've been able to surround myself with some of the most, I would say, unsung heroes this world will never know. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they've driven me. They, they've been a guiding light for me. They, they've put me on the right path that is made me who I am today. And a lot of the people that know me personally, like outside of that, yeah, um, they look at me as, uh, oh, if, if the apocalypse happens, I'm coming to your house. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hear it all the time too. What do you have? To, what do you bring into the table? And they don't, they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you're either bringing a lot of ammunition and guns and like food supplies and stuff like yeah. that, or you're bringing skills. Yeah. What weighs more? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So bringing all that stuff. That, okay, I can work with that. But if you're not bringing anything, you better be bringing skills to those table. Uh, and liability. They think that I'm the most whatever person in the world. And I laugh at them because I know who I've surrounded myself with. And I am not even a drop in the bucket compared to those people. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I have so much work to do all the time. And, right. uh, you know, it, it's. I like it. I like the challenge. Yeah, no, we're the same like this, man. I, I, every once in a while, you know, I get people kind of saying things about me and I'm like hearing them and I'm like, 
dude, you don't understand, man. I'm like so mediocre, bro. Like, like, like I, I talked about it this morning on my, on my uh, little stories. I'm like, you guys, you know, we live in a world that'll tell you you're special for just being here. The reason I'm up at 4 a.m. hazing myself in my garage is because I know I'm not good enough. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like, like I am not good enough yet. I got to do something about that. I'm I'm a better version of myself than I was yesterday for this. But listen, I there's a fat version of me chasing me. There's a stupid version of me chasing me. You know, there's a a, a mistake ridden version. I'm like sitting here and I'm like. The, 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 the intimate awareness of imperfection is what drives me to fight for progress. You know, like that's guys like us, this is, and this, you know, we're not, there's no enemy at the gates necessarily, but this is the war. I think every warrior should be stinking fighting every day against weaker versions of them. You motivate me, bro. I'm sitting here. This isn't even, I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but it's, this is the stuff, man. Yes. That's good stuff, man. And I'm like, I'm like in the middle of the stack at the shooting competition. Like, you know, I'm like not the guy, you know, I'm just, I just want to make a contribution and look at what an average man can do just by wanting to make a contribution, y'all. Like get after your stuff, you know? And it just takes a little bit. It doesn't take yeah. a lot. It yeah. just takes a little bit. As long as you're moving forward, you're still moving forward. You're in the game. Yeah. You get to respect yourself at the end of the night. <laughs> You were talking about uh, that discussion you had with that post you had uh, this morning. Yeah. Where you're hazing yourself. I actually had a, a an interesting epiphany last night. You ever hear that mm. phrase, it's uh, better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war? Yes. I love that one. I did a deep dive on that last night. And what I realized was, you know, a warrior can always go and pick up the tools to become a gardener. Yep. A gardener cannot just become a warrior. Nope. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I know some gardeners, they're a little out there with how crazy they get yeah. uh, with, you know, their gardens. And that's cool. But that isn't something that's hard to really learn compared to being a warrior because there's so much more to that. So mm -hmm. the question that I was posed was what happens when the war is over? Mm -hmm. And the answer just came to me. It's real simple. Tend your garden. <sighs> Yep. That's it goes it. back to being that asset, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. And what your garden is, it could literally be your garden, but it's yeah. also your family. It's your seed. It's your tribe. It's everything. You've got to tend your garden because until the next war, you got to keep those tools sharp. 100%. And you got to keep that growing. Yeah. And that's your new war. That's your new fight. Find your new fight, man. That's what my book's all about, man. That finding meaning after the military. It's find your new fight. A warrior without a war is purposeless. And without purpose, what do you do with things you don't know what the purpose is? You throw them away. You misuse. You dis. You misuse them. You abuse them. You eliminate them. And that's that's a good one, man. You know, the whole way you put that was perfect. Uh, no, that's good stuff, man. How would you say, you know? So if someone was listening to us and was like, well, I want to start becoming an asset, where would you say they start? First thing you have to do is take a good, long, hard look at yourself. We were talking about that question I asked earlier. Are you an asset or a liability? Somebody comes to the conclusion that they have some holes in their game and they're a liability. Yeah. Um, they need to take a, a little, uh, they need to swallow down their pride and they need to figure out where they need to work. Now, sometimes mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, physical, you know, they're not strong enough. They're not fast enough. They don't have the endurance. Maybe they had injuries. Like yeah, I, I've had two blown off. ACLs 
Then I've had complete reconstructions a couple of times. I got some back issues from the military mm-hmm. where it, it puts me down and out for a while. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't stop me. It may slow me down, but I'm still moving forward. And at the end of the day, I have to work to get to that level again. I'm constantly mm-hmm. working and striving to become stronger, to become faster, to be able to last longer in that fight. And um, that would probably be the most obvious one. That's one you can do, you know, 20, 30 minutes at four o'clock in the morning while you're hazing yourself in the garage. Right. Um, but oh, yeah. the next part of it is you really need to start looking into not necessarily philosophy in the classical university sense, mm-hmm. but you need to start asking yourself, you know, where is your line? Okay. Once you know where your line is, where you don't want to cross it, then you have to start working to perfect that point so you never get to that line. Because if you have a line you're never going to cross, then that is a limitation. Hmm. And if you don't have enough tools to keep you away from that line, you're going to run into some problems down the road. So where is that line? My line is actually very, very fluid. I have a a bit of a concept about morality, but... um, the next part really is, all right, can you handle yourself with saving lives? So one of my Real. friends, he wanted to get into all this. He actually asked this very question. I was like, well, the first thing you need to learn is everything that we do, all this stuff with guns, with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, knife fighting, stick fighting, whatever you want to call it, it's mm-hmm. all geared towards violence. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, all of that should be with the end goal of saving lives. 100%. So if you're going to save lives, the best way to save a life is to learn how to do it, because more often than not, you're going to find somebody in need instead of being attacked. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've driven up on a car accident or I've had somebody, you know, knock on my door from a couple of doors down and there's something wrong. I, I had a point where uh, when I was in the Marines, I was getting my hair cut off base and there's this guy I was talking to all the time. Great guy. He was also a veteran, but he started having a seizure while he was giving a haircut to a uh, eight year old or something like that. Dang. And what happened was he had his hand on one side and he had the clippers on the other side and the kid started whining a little bit and looking uncomfortable. Yeah. And I look up cause I'm sitting there talking to his mother and I look up and I start to see drool. I'm like, Oh, stop the conversation. Got the kid out of there. He, the kid was okay. Had to call 911. This guy didn't apparently have his medication. Mm. And uh, at that point, you know, I, I got into his phone. I called his wife up. His wife came over, got his medication. I had him on the ground for, I think he was out, basically having a seizure for about five minutes. Mm. And um, everybody came and he was fine. But the mother didn't know how to react. And this is her son with somebody that has clippers being pushed into the side of this kid's head. Right. So how do you react to that? Uh, She froze. Mm. I acted. Right. So it's about saving lives. If you can't save a life, you have no business taking a life. Right. Mm. Because when you think about it, what is the best way to learn how to take a life? Uh, I understand the anatomy, man. Exactly. (laughs) It has a dual purpose there. When you start learning how to save lives, you see how the body works. You see what actually breaks the body and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. Then you start learning about how to go after and just end that fight as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. Because, again, we should be saving lives, not taking them. Now, Mm. granted, sometimes you need to take a life to save a life. Right. That's the way the game is played sometimes. But your end goal should be saving those lives. So Mm -hmm. 
look into some kind of medical training, whether it's your EMT, you know, volunteering for that or going to get that first uh, responder from first uh, or from Red Cross and then just keep stepping it up over and over. I actually sent my buddy. I'm sorry. Little by little, man. Little by little. I sent my buddy out to um, one of uh, Voodoo Doc's classes and he said it was Uh, one of the most intense classes he's ever taken. I got to catch up with Voodoo Doc, man. If you got contacts for Voodoo Doc, man, let me know. I got to catch up with those classes yet, but I'm trying. I'm trying. But he went out there and was like, if you're going to get into this, the first thing you have to do is learn this stuff. And I, I looked up a bunch of stuff and I was like, go to Voodoo Doc. He's got what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Went there and he's talking about how he had to go and put tourniquets on to somebody that was fighting him at the same time while he has a dog, like a, a Belgian Malinois barking like three feet from his face trying to rip yeah. his face. Like you got that stress inoculation. You're learning how to control the patient. You're learning how to save his life, learn how to use tourniquets properly, which is don't get me started on that. Right. Um, and, and being in control of yourself in that stressed environment. Right. When people don't, leave stress lives mm-hmm. you have to go and find that stress yeah but it has to be controlled and it has to be safe once it gets more and more stressful as that time goes you'll start to realize that you're not the same as everyone else yep yeah this is such good stuff something happens and everybody else is just they don't know what to do mm-hmm. and you're like all right it's a slow tuesday yeah. <laughs> it's a slow Tuesday, man. It's like, all right, let's get this done. Let's save some. Let's get the work, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, saving lives is the first thing uh, that I would definitely focus on. But you have to get into some realistic kind of fighting education. And mm-hmm. uh, that's been one of the bone of contentions with me since I was a kid. Mm. I would go in and I, I did, you know, Korean martial arts, Chinese martial arts, Japanese martial arts, I, I, all kinds all over the place. And one of the things I realized is, None of this stuff really works when you put it to the test. Mm. So I, I make a delineation between martial arts and combative arts. And uh, the, the most important one is wrestling, uh, especially if you have kids. I don't care if they're male or female or, you know, whatever. Right yeah. Get them into wrestling. Because when you learn wrestling, you learn how to be hard. You learn how to react. You learn how to control. Mm-hmm. The next one is obviously Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's a great one, but that puts you on your ground. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is good control, um, but if you're dealing with multiple people or you're dealing with weapons, unless you're dealing with somebody or you're learning with somebody uh, like um, the Jungle Gym up in the Bronx with Master Chim, who actually incorporates these ideas, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is only going to get you so far in the streets. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll get lucky. Sometimes you won't. And then obviously, like you were saying earlier, the knife and the stick fighting and, you know, learning how to handle guns. Even if you don't like guns or you don't see yourself holding a gun ever or buying a gun, you need to learn about them. You need to educate yourself on them because right. at this point, they might be used on you. Right. So understanding that is critical. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a line. You got to know where your line is. What did you mean by that? Can you go more deeply into that? So I ask this a lot uh, when people start talking about morals and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pose this question to you too. It's mm-hmm. a really good question to ask people. I love it. What are morals and why are they important? And more importantly than that, what makes them right? Mm. Well, it really just depends on your, your rubric, man, your paradigm, you know, like uh, 
example of when I found myself in the upside down world. I'm in Iraq, we're clearing houses and uh, there's a baby in the back. This happened on multiple occasions on a string that's been left there to die. The baby's like barely conscious, probably like meant like retarded from not like, well, the, there was a defect with the baby and that's why they would leave him in the backyard on a string. So like you clear the house, you get through, you're doing all your stuff, you go out the back door and you're like, you kind of smell something and you're looking around for more stuff. And then, you know, this baby is like on a string back here, flies like eating its mouth and like eating its eyes and it's just sitting there like staring at you, like panting because it's like dying very slowly. Then you're kind of like, what? in the actual heck is going on. And you want to drag the parents out and you want to just kill them, right? Because you're just like, what in the heck is this? You know, you grab me, pull and they're like, looking at you like, she knew, Mr. Mr. She knew, like, what is the problem? Like, like it's, it's all good. And you're sitting there and you're like, and and I'm, 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 you know, reading the situation and I'm like, these people really don't believe they're doing anything wrong here. They genuinely are like, yo, bro, chill out. Want some chai? Let's go get some to judge. We got some bread in the house. Like, just come inside. It's no big deal. And I'm sitting here, like, trying to control myself because I just want to execute him in the backyard over letting the kid have this helpless human just die um, in the 120-some degree, 30-degree heat out here and just cook to death, right, and starve to death. And I remember just being like, what in the, you know, you know, but then I remember thinking like, they genuinely don't think they're doing anything wrong. Like they just, just as general genuinely don't because these are their values and their culture says that these values are correct. And so I really had to have a deep conversation with myself about what is, uh, what makes my compass right. And what makes these people bad, you know? And for me personally, I just had to decide like, Hey, look, my values may come from the way I grew up, where I grew up, da, 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 da. But I believe that, I believe that I, I, I try to uphold the values that make the most sense to me and that I believe will be right by, uh, I don't know, my values come from, you know, my religious background, my, my Christianity and who I am uh, in light of those things. I respect other people's values, you know, a hundred percent. But um, I think in general values come from the way people are raised and what they believe is right. As a result of that, usually nurture component between the nature and nurture conversation. So that's actually pretty close to what I usually get, except for the whole story about, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's a little bit different of an experience than most people have had. And I, I imagine that, battle you were having inside your head was a little bit uh intense i'll say yeah it was disorienting man <laughs> so at the end of the day morals are defined and supported by the society first your immediate family and then your yeah. family but then the the culture and the society that you're in yeah thing that we uh run into is society changes and it morphs and sometimes it morphs over generations uh and sometimes it morphs at the drop of a dime. And like you have it is right. Like yeah. it is right now. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> what we have going on is a great example. It's a war of values. When you take a look at morals and values, it is what is really needed at the time based on how good or bad things are going. 
And the way I look at morals are they are flexible. Mm -hmm. They are not a constant and they are dictated by society at that moment. Mm -hmm. So for me, morals don't even come into play. Mm. Principles, those are different. Mm. uh, Principles are inflexible. They are very rigid. Mm. I live my life based on principles, not morals. Mm. So for you, you are dealing with your principles because of how you were brought up and you know what is right and wrong. It's how can you make sure life is as good as possible for as many people as possible? That's right. how I judge my principles. Mm-hmm. If I find they're negatively affecting somebody who isn't negatively affecting me, there's something wrong. Then we reassess. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You have to reassess. You have to go through that OODA loop again. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, morals, they're not even on my radar because you know they change so quickly. And mm-hmm. there's some pretty decent ones out there that I still follow myself. But I know that when somebody decides to make me a target, Mm -hmm. somebody decides to come at me, Mm -hmm. they have just chosen at that point to be a victim. Mm -hmm. That's the way I'm looking at it because they chose that day Mm -hmm. to basically attack their worst fears. Mm -hmm. That's fine. If they want to, I'll punch that card. Luckily I don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But Morals often get in the way of people. You, you look at people, uh, especially in this country, that they're anti-gun or they're anti-violence or they're anti-war or they're anti-whatever the case yeah. may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I, I've seen it so far on my Instagram feed. People are calling uh, the attacker or whoever they're, you know, bitches or they're pussies or they're not really men or whatever the mm-hmm. case is. And it's like, Okay, that's cool that you just called them that. Do you think they care? Yeah, like, what do you, do you know about that, gonna, man? Yeah, do you <laughs> think that's going to help the situation at all? Mm-hmm. If somebody's attacking you, are you going to start calling them names, hoping that their moral compass will kind of realign and be like, oh, wait, I'm doing something wrong. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's not the way the world works. Mm-hmm. So principles Here. are how I like to live my life. Yeah. Um, morals, they come and they go. Yeah. Uh, the morals that we deal with today might not even be there tomorrow. Tomorrow we can see something where we have a grid down situation and it's every man for himself. And now my moral compass is striving to figure out whether the uh, family that's in my backyard stealing my food, do I kill them or do I save their life? Because all they're trying to do is survive too. Right. So what do my morals say? Well, My morals say, hey, let's roll the dice and see what they can do. What do my principles say? My principles say my family's more important. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. Um, When people decide to go against you, when they decide to make you an enemy, Mm -hmm. morals have nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. You were in Iraq. You saw all kinds of nasty shit. Mm -hmm. Did morals come into play at all? You know, I think this is one of the biggest tripping points for a lot of vets too, man. Yeah. I was having a conversation on the couch where we were watching this last UFC fight with a dude and he was just like, how do you feel about the things you did in Iraq? And I was like, man, I feel fine. Dudes were trying to kill me. They were there to kill me. I was there to kill them. We were playing the big game, man. You know, the only things I'm a little bit scribbly about were like little other, like little skirmishy childish things. But when it comes to the big things, man, we were playing the big game, you know, and, and it has nothing to do with, it's not personal, you know, like there's no moral anything in there. You know, the other thing that kills me is when people be like, Oh, I would never do that. I'm like, homie, you have no idea what you would or wouldn't do. Everyone's capable of everything. 
in the right situation. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> like, like I've seen, I just can't even when I'm, I would never like, guess what? You can only meet people as deeply as you've met yourself. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a whole bunch of yourself down there in the darkness that you probably ain't swammed around with yet. Uh, maybe not, but probably, probably. <laughs> when people say they never, you know, you're right. Nobody knows. Like I can yeah. sit here and say, talk to one blue in the face about what I would or would not do. Right. But until the moment comes, that conversation is pointless. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about that, it's the, these people that are so solid and anti-violence, they wouldn't even defend themselves. It's like, well, then you just volunteered to be a victim. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, like your your belief in gun-free zones, no one cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, just give up your wallet. Just no one cares. You know, like. <laughs> no piece of paper with laws written on it is going to protect you at that moment. Yeah. Murdering's illegal. Ain't stopping nobody. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. No, that's good. I'm glad you dug deeper into that, man. That's a good conversation for people to have with themselves. Um, when you talk about uh, becoming a monster, what do you mean by that one, man? I love it. That's a good one. Uh, I was listening to Jordan Peterson on the, uh, on the great Joe Rogan show. Yes, sir. And, uh, it took me into a deep dive. He said you have to be a monster in order to actually, uh, you know, be a real man. Yeah, in order and, to kill the dragons, man. You got to kill those dragons, but at the same time, it's like, what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. um, you have to be capable. In order to be capable of great violence, you have to really study all this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in order to be what I call a civilized monster, mm -hmm. um, you really need to be, dive deep into the darkness. When you mm -hmm. dive into that darkness, you're going to have a couple of, you're going to have two instances. The one of them is how deep does that darkness go? Mm -hmm. And then how dark is that darkness? Mm -hmm. and you need to be very, very comfortable in that and darkness. Should not live there. Just go on vacation once in a while. Don't fall in love with it. Don't do it. Because you can. You can. You, you can. stinking can. Especially if it, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've, I've lived in that darkness for a little bit. And uh, you know what? There's not a whole lot of goodness in there. There's not a lot of light in darkness. So... Yeah. You know, when you live there for too long, you kind of get lost in the dark. So you need that you need that flashlight. You need that beacon, so to speak. Yes. Um, being that monster, there is a uh, line, and I don't know if Jordan Peterson said it or somebody else, but um, a, a person capable of great violence has the choice of whether or not to fight. Yeah. Uh, a person that decides to be harmless doesn't have that choice. Right. And I, I was talking to somebody uh, at a uh, holiday vacation, and we're talking about why I'm always looking into this, why I'm constantly training all the time as much as I can. And uh, at the end of the day, I come to him and said, like, look, at this point right now, there's nothing to stop me from murdering everybody in this room. I have like, said this before in counseling. It's so good. <laughs> I'm like, if I decided to, there's nothing anyone can do. <laughs> and everyone's like, ah! <laughs> exactly. Go ahead. And, and this group of people, they were yeah. sat in stunned silence because I, I wanted them to digest it. I'm like, there's nothing to stop me right now. Nothing. Absolutely annihilating everybody in this room. There's yeah. nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they didn't know how to take that. And, and yeah. the only answer was, really? You think you can destroy all of us? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, do you want to find out? And they're like, what? I'm like, you want to, we can do this right now. 
and I won't even go hard. I'll, I'll let you live. I'm not even going to break anything. I'll just do what I do. And then we can see where the pieces lay, you know, and, uh, they didn't take me up on that. And I, I didn't expect them to, because all of them were pretty, you know, nonviolent leftist type. Uh, I, I don't want to use a, a, a dated term, but they're hippies. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, good people. I, I love them to death. Very funny, very intelligent. Um, yeah. but completely clueless to how the real world work because they are always secluded. Like these are people that have never lived outside of a house that lit, uh, was under $500,000. Yeah, yeah. They're in the bubble. They're like, Oh, I'm a person of culture. I've been all over the world. And like, yeah, but you only stayed in the tourist areas. Yeah. Like that, that's not the world. That is the tourist area that, that, that's basically the uh, icing on the cake. Yeah. And when you get into that cake, sometimes you're going to find that cake is rotten. Right. Um, so it's the Disneyland's of the world. Yeah, it's like if you want to go on vacation, I get it. Uh, you you want to go on vacation, you want to relax, you want to have a good yeah. time and all that. But you take a look at somebody like Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins just picks a spot on the map and is like, "I'm going right there," and he stays away from those tourist areas because you don't really learn anything about culture. You don't learn to respect yeah. um, different people, different mm-hmm. viewpoints. Uh, you don't really get to see what the world is really like. Mm. beyond the touristy areas or beyond tv that that's mm. i want to see what the world is really like i want to see how dark it can get so that i can bring my light with me yeah so being a uh, civilized monster i Mm. I try every day to make myself more dangerous i I try to be as come as as dangerous as possible with the hopes that i never have to use any of that because There's somebody out there who, like you said, they're training, they're getting, you know, jumped in, they're in jail and they're fighting for their lives. Or, you know, we, we have different parts of the world right now, like Africa or some parts of, uh, you know, Russia or China or, you know, North Korea. And all they know is hardship. And then they Mm -hmm. decide, Hey, that person looks like a good target. I'm going after them. Yeah. Your job is to make them regret that decision. Yeah. So how do you do that? You've got to put in the work. You have, have the tools. to put in that work. Mm-hmm. No, that's good stuff, man. And I think too, most of it is, you know, harnessing that darkness, man. Like, you know, I remember when I was younger and I was getting into scraps and stuff, I really quickly realized I was able to achieve a higher level of violence than most people much quicker than they could. And that was like my mixed, it was my extreme advantage before I started training things. And it really equaled the plane, equaled the plane field out quite a bit. And I really started to realize that like this whole tool or this energy you know and being able to like how what do you know about yourself if you haven't like hazed yourself or you haven't gone on your and and to your transcendent rep and died on you know on the mat or on the bench or died swinging that kettlebell you know like what do you really know about yourself and then it's like i think now the job of the warrior how do you go into the darkness and bring the light if you aren't inoculated to the darkness? You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I have a hard time identifying with the sheepdog concept. Cause I'm like, yeah, I don't know if they're like gangster enough. You know what I mean? Like I got a werewolf tattooed on my stomach. That's kind of more my vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, like it takes a wolf to catch a wolf. Like my boy Lonzo on training day. You know what I'm saying? Like I just, because I think I just find that if you're going to kill the dragon, you have to be able to go into the dark woods and go into that chaos and be inoculated and sit there in it and hold space for people and bring order into that chaos. And you have to be strong enough to be that, that gray spot, that 
right in between the two and hold that space and make space and push the light forward, man. And you're not going to do that. And there's different types. Like I see it in cops, especially like there's some cops that are just like totally good dudes and like really good. They're like the sheepdogs. And then there's some, you know, that have just been they're, they're around the block. And it's like, you got a different energy. Like you're a, you're a good wolf. <laughs> That's what you are. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a whole different vibe. It's same in the training circuit. Some of the guys, I'm like, you're a sheepdog. Like you're a good dude. Like we, we need the sheepdogs to stay with the sheep and protect the sheep. But when we're going to go track your wolf down, we're going to go into the black woods and track down a wolf and kill him. We're going to need a pack of wolves to go out there and do that. We need the sheepdogs. We also need those other guys that can take things to another level. Um, and uh yeah man i love that i love that conversation that's good stuff man yeah that whole sheepdog concept is always kind of rubbed against me ever since i first heard it and uh mm. my whole idea of a sheepdog is that sheepdogs usually travel alone to protect mm. a flock mm. that's cool sometimes there's one or two of them mm. what does the wolf travel with a pack exactly you can't do this by yourself sometimes mm. that's your only choice i get it but at the end of the day, you are who you are because of the group of people you surround yourself with. That's your pack. That's your tribe. If you want to be a good wolf, you got to have that tribe. If you want to be a sheepdog, you're standing alone. Your chances just went down. 100%. 100%. And then this whole taking the taking these things and being civilized, a civilized monster, you know, to be civilized is to adhere to, you know, civilization and our values, these civilized monsters, you know, that we are and that we try to create, they're literally the people that protect our society from the wolves, man. Because when those guys come down the street and come knocking on your door, you need your own, this is King Kong versus Godzilla time, man. <laughs> you know, like that's what it is. It's like the fusion of these things. And I find too, we get off a soapbox, but I got to drop this right quick because you woke it up, man. This is good stuff. I find that you, you, there's another level of like power that you get when you can integrate your dark side and your light side. I found a lot of warriors running from the darkness and running from the chaos in their minds and running from the dark sides of their personality. And I would never do that. And I'm too good. And da, 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 nah, 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 bro. Nah. You need to accept the, you need to learn to integrate these sides of your personality to make something that's stronger rather than just pretending like you're all one thing. Cause you're not, nothing is you got day and night in the same 24 hours, ones and zeros, life and death. Like the whole thing is just, that's the thing, <laughs> you know, like it's all duality up in here. So it's, it's very interesting, man. It's a great conversation. I love that stuff. Yeah. If you only wear one hat, you're, you're missing a whole big chunk yeah, of the game. Man. You're playing the wrong game. So out of your, let's go over some of the courses you teach real quick, man. Uh, what kind of survival courses do you teach? Which one's your favorite? Why do you have a favorite? But like, what's the menu look like? You got some fun so, stuff in there. The main fun stuff that I like to have fun with is the wilderness stuff, mainly the winter survival. I, I love getting out oh. there and showing people that, you know, in the frozen Arctic or in the middle of the woods, you know, going up to the Adirondacks in the cold, I could be comfortable. Where do you and live I, at again? Isn't it like, where are you at right now? Where do you stay at? I'm in Northeast Philly. Yeah, bro. It's cold as Heck up. Let me tell you one story about Philly, bro. I went to Philly on the EP detail and I'll never forget it. I went out to the, one of my best buddies from Philly and I'm literally staring at the belt, the, the dude at the door, right? Like uh, that's the dude who's like letting people into the hotel and I'm staring at him. He's got a long coat on. He's got his, he's got his gloves, but he's just chilling. Like he's just chilling. And I'm sitting there thinking like, yo, 
that was so cold. I got to go outside. I'm from the Bahamas, man. And I remember being like, yo, this dude's chilling out here. No faces, no cold faces, no tippy toeing. And I walked outside and I was like, I was freezing the whole time. It's, it gets really cold out there, man. And I failed. I was making faces the whole time I got in the car. Yeah, that's cold. But yeah, it does get pretty cold out here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's just, it's part of it. I, I grew yeah. up, like I said, I grew up in South Jersey and I spent a lot of time in the Pine Barrens, and uh, especially in the winter. And mm. you just kind of learn. And the only way you learn is by going out there and doing it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's not hard once you understand the basic concepts of, mm. you know, how to actually dress properly, what fabrics, you know, yeah. how to make proper shelters, how to actually build fires when everything's wet. <laughs> Um, all of that stuff. It, it's it, that's those are the classes I have the most fun with because they're the most hands on. Okay. But um, I, I think the two most important classes in a survival aspect. Uh, the first one that is critical in my mind is the mindset course. It's just really understanding how to build yourself up to be a more capable person to become that yeah. civilized monster. But first, you kind of have to break yourself down. Yep. And you have to ask yourself those hard, hard questions. Mm -hmm. What your answer is sometimes isn't what you're going to hope it is. It's yeah. going to be something that's not really acceptable to you. And uh, if you accept mediocrity, mm. I'm not the person for you. Mediocrity yeah. is not something that I strive for. Um, so that's the mindset one. And that that's, you know, like I said, it's going to make you ask some hard questions. And that's the one that really changes people. The one that I think is probably the most fun outside of the winter survival one though is uh i, I have a counter custody and um environmental exploitation or manipulation course yeah and uh it, it's it's similar to a couple of courses that are out there but i go on a deep dive on how to avoid those situations and then what to do once you're in them mm. using your environment um okay i, I mentioned them before uh eddie starnader and julie from Practical Primitive, they they planted a seed that has grown. And what they said was, uh, the more you know, the less you need. And mm. knowledge doesn't weigh anything. Mm. That's so good stuff, bro. Taking advantage of my environment and what it has to offer me, that's where I go on a deep dive with the environmental exploitation and counter custody. Because if you're not aware, if you don't know how to use your environment as your own kind of a surveillance system mm. and how to spot those shady figures, you know, the, the, the blips on the baseline, you know, you're missing a whole lot of the game, especially for people like yourself that uh, you, your job isn't to go and fight. Mm -hmm. Your job is to avoid the fight, and protect your, uh, your person, your client. Bail. Yeah, man. Escaping Get out man. of there. You know, if you're in the middle of a fight, you're already, you know, you failed your job. Something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I come in. It's like, how do I get you to avoid those situations entirely? And sometimes it's really simple. It's like, okay, do you really want to go to that CD bar and everybody's getting drunk and having fights at all the time? Do you really want to go over your friend's house where every time you go over there, there's rugs laying out all over the place and mm -hmm. you know, a half-eaten cheeseburger on the floor from three months ago? And no, you want to surround yourself with good people and good environments and you want to try to do things properly. But sometimes we don't have control over that. Mm -hmm. Um Good example, and this hasn't happened in a, in a good while, yeah, but right. in Philadelphia a couple of years ago, there used to be a lot of attacks where there's, you know, 
20 to 100 kids rolling around the street and they just pick one person or a couple and they go off on them and they just violently beat them almost to death. In one case, somebody did get killed. When you look at those situations, it's like, okay, I can't avoid this because, you know, they just picked the right spot and I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. What do I do next? That's where I come in. That's where I start putting those pieces together. How to get you out of there. Mm-hmm. That's huge, man. That's huge. I want to do something I want to call fastball. I haven't done it before, but I want to look at some of these courses and I'll say a name of a course and you and like just a few name, few words, just boom, like the premise, like a principle, something quick, right? Scouting 201. So that one is about invisibility. Ooh. It's, it's invisibility. about stalking in the woods. Yeah. It's about Ooh. being unseen and patience. Nice. Uh, environmental exploitation, counter abduction. So that one right there is knowing your environment in the city and taking care of yourself and using it to your advantage. Awesome. Uh, evasion and improvised tools. This one is taking a deeper dive on using the environment around you and the people as your own tools. Um, hmm. Sometimes we don't really use the resources around us to the best of our capability and other times we do this is where we start looking at how to use those people whether they knowingly are helping you or not and then sometimes it's also about being able to spot something and making a tool out of it whether it's lock picks whether it's a blunt object you know whether it's a stabbing like an edged weapon or a, a puncture weapon um it, it's it's making the environment bend to your will so you can make things happen nice uh, let's see here. Mindset core concepts. Bring yourself to another level. Find your weaknesses and attack them. It's a simple nice. And then mindset leadership and followers. Mindset leader and followers. Yeah. Yeah. This one is a little bit different. This one really goes in a deeper dive on, you know, who you are in your group of people. And the fact that if you want to be a real leader, which every one of us should be a leader at some point in our lives, if not most of our lives, you really have to understand how to follow. And then when you are a leader, never forget what it was to be a follower, because if you forget what it was to be a follower, you can never teach anybody anything. Yeah. Nah, and you're a sucky leader because you just do leader stuff. Yeah, you know I mean, like <laughs> I got a leader right now in, in, in another situation I'm dealing with. And I'm like, what would you think of you when you do that? Just, you know, I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's real simple. It's lead by example. But you also have to remember if you can't. If you can't relate to somebody as a follower, mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to communicate with them. And they're never going to want to follow you because th- there's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. You can't see where they're at. You can't see where they're coming from. And if you can't do that, you're not a real leader. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot more to it than that. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to, you know, being a good, inspiring leader. Inspiring leader. I have so many good examples of that in my life, Mm -hmm. especially right now. That is nice. I'm just pulling all the time. Like, give me some more. I'm always Mm -hmm. hungry. And sometimes it's annoying to them because I'm always coming at them. Um, but that's the way it should be. That's the way a 100%. follower should be. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's good stuff, man. Uh, urban scope, uh, urban escape and evasion supplemental. So the supplementals are a little bit more focused. Instead okay. of going over to broadband that the uh, counter custody environmental exploitation goes into, yeah. 
The uh, supplementals are really, uh, there's a broad base on that website, but I talk to the person individually, like figure out where they're going. And then we started uh, taking care of their concerns and their focus and saying, hey, what can we do to make this a, let's step this game up a little bit. And sometimes that's going to be, you know, physical security, mm-hmm. um, defeating that stuff. Sometimes it's going to be living on the streets. Uh, one of the things that I did. Living on the streets. Yeah. Like one of the things that I had to do, like just try to get the real deal is uh, I had my, uh, my, my driver's license on me uh-huh. and I had a cell phone without a battery. Okay. And uh, basically I lived on the streets for two weeks. That's it. I had no money. I had no access to any of my accounts. I had nothing. I had to live on the streets for two weeks. And it was an eye-opening experience because you really get to see who these people are, the homeless population. And you also get to see how perceptions change once you actually look like you fit in. Once you actually look like uh, the untouchables, as I like to call them. Interesting. Um, what regular society does and how they treat them, how invisible you come um, and how they'll actually take advantage of you. Uh, while I was doing this, what? I went to a church and uh, this church was a really good church, had a great uh, reputation. And I went there and I lit a candle and I, I'm, I've never really been big in the uh, religious community. So I mm-hmm. didn't understand that if you light the candle, you have to donate like a dollar or something. And uh so the guy that the usher or whatever they call him comes up to me. He's like, hey, you realize you got to pay for that, right? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you got to put a donation. I'm like, well, and panhandling, all I had was like a $20 bill. And the guy was like, oh, that's funny. He takes the $20 and he puts it in the uh, the donation box. And I look at him. I'm like, you realize I'm homeless, right? I'm like, and that's all the money I had. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah don't worry about it. Don't worry. It just It's a donation. I'm like, so you just took food from me. <laughs> any access to anything i could possibly need and mind you it is 19 degrees during the day at that point and it's like <laughs> golly bro going on here like i understand when people will ignore they walk past they won't make that eye contact yeah um, all that i get that okay fine fine yeah you see somebody that's down on their luck and they're struggling and you just take all of their money you're like hey this is for the lord it's like that doesn't seem like something the good lord would do so uh i had a conversation with and their uh their nuns were kind of taken aback by that too they they wound up giving me the money back so that it was good on them and that's why i'm not naming them because they actually they helped me out a little bit but that guy was standing outside for the rest of that winter, whether it was raining or sunny or shiny, he was out there. And it's like, good, because I hope you learned your lesson. You just yeah. So that's, that was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences for me was living on those streets for two weeks. Golly, man. I mean, I'm down to do some crazy stuff, man. That sounds like a really cool experiment. Well, that's interesting. By the end of the day. What's that? You're going to be really smelly by the end of those two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, we I, we did it in Iraq. We had to go to, oh, we, yeah. Well, you know what happens is you get really smelly, and then all of a sudden, 
you just don't smell it anymore. <laughs> like, and then you're like, you're like, you're like, well, geez, I take a shower. I got to go get smelly again and do the thing until it finally goes away. Yeah. Oh man, that's you funny. Come but, up to those, uh, those pile of clothes I haven't gotten in a washing. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's once you go back to, once you flip back over to civilized and then you go anywhere near any of your other stuff, you're like, how did I even, yeah, it's an interesting yeah. thing. And then you got a lot of rifle and, and, and pistol courses too, which is awesome, man. That's good to go. No, that's yeah. The, the rifle and the pistol ones are interesting. I don't. I'm not trying to be no super tactical guy. That's mm. that's what uh, the people that have real experience downrange in the uh, tier one classes have. Mm. Um, those guys, I'm, I'm not. That, that's them. Mm. My goal is to make people as safe and capable as possible up to a certain level, so that if they decide to take those classes at those higher levels. Their job is a lot easier. Mm, so they can hang, man. Keep yeah. up. Nice. Well, we talked about your hardest day, so I'll go right into what do you think your proudest moment is, has been on your journey, brother? That's an easy one for me. The easiest one. Uh, so That's a while back, I was in Kentucky, and I was teaching a, uh, a bunch of kids at a uh, cadet organization. And I was okay. running their, their, uh, one of their most elite programs. It's also one of the toughest programs. And um, this kid wound up, he was really intelligent. He was actually doing uh, pre-med stuff when he was like 16 years old. Wow. So uh, he's Filipino. He was born here, but his mother was born in the Philippines. And uh, probably about three years after he had left my course, Mm -hmm. he went back to the Philippines with his mom to meet his extended family. And Mm -hmm. uh, he gets off at the airplane, gets Mm -hmm. into the driver's car, and they're driving – and after about four or five turns, he realizes somebody two cars back is following him. Mm, good essay. Good situational awareness. All right. All right. So he tells this driver and the driver's like, all right, I'll lose him. And so they drive around for about an hour and they finally lose this guy. Drives around for like another half hour, making sure he wasn't just really good at what he was doing. And mm-hmm. they go home. So they pull up to the house and the car was waiting for them at the house. They uh, got down the license plate number and the driver's like, look, I'm going to stay in the car. You're going to run to the house, do what you got to do. But I'm going to stay right here in this car. If something happens, I'm hitting the gas pedal and I'm going to run them over. They run into the house. Guy never does anything. Drives off right then and there. Like, All right. All is safe. All is good. About maybe. A week, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> about a week later, uh, they pick up the newspaper and that car and that license plate is on the cover of the newspaper. And here they were actually kidnapping American tourists and holding mm-hmm. them for ransom with uh, a Busayev. Mm-hmm. So because of the training, he actually wrote me back and he was like, hey, he explained the whole thing to me. And I'm missing details here and there, I'm sure. But he was like, yeah, because of what you taught me and to be aware of these things, you know, you, you saved my entire family. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at that is those are ripples because not only did I help mm-hmm. him, but because of my influence and education of him, it's spread out to save other people's lives. Yeah. And uh, that is my proudest moment. Uh, hands down, man. That stuff's so priceless. That's good. That's good. That's the stuff, you know, you can't put a price tag on that stuff, man. You really can't. You know, when you see your craft, your the work of your hands, by the grace of God, do stuff like that in the world. <clears throat> Those are the highest deliverables, man. That's good. And this and all be- from a kid that did field hockey and mm-hmm. wound up coming down with rhabdo uh, mm-hmm. in training. 
went to the hospital, you know, his, uh, his protein for through the roof and everything mm. else is bad. He was in rough shape and he refused to stop training. Even after that, wound up, up to graduation and a leg cast and crutches. Good man. Never gave up. Outstanding. Yeah, man. I love that stuff, man. That's the stuff that it's, that's really what it takes, man. We, I hope more people in this upcoming generation adopt those principles, man. Cause you got to look at yourself in the mirror for the rest of your life, <laughs> you know, and it should matter. It really should. Heck yeah. Uh, one of my new questions I've been digging is oh. who, who would you, I know, right. Who would you nominate uh, uh, to come on the podcast? Who do you think would be good? Uh, a couple names in. come to mind. The first one that comes to mind would be uh master chairman, Justin Garcia. Um, okay. Put out a book. Uh, Tribal Nomics that just hit Amazon today. He is huh. one of the more interesting people I've ever met. He is an absolute savage. Um, Tribal Nomics, that sounds so good. Okay. Who else? Uh, Tuan Raff. Uh, Pianan, he, he's an artist, works with a lot of people. He's helped on a few movies. One of the best martial artists I've ever met. What's uh, his name? Raphael Pianan. Uh, Tom Power will be able to link you guys up. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, Bill Rapier from Amtac. Yeah. He's a solid guy. Former okay. Silver Six. And um, let's see. That name. You know what? I'm trying to track Bill Rapier down right now. Actually, I got his email address. I've been popping Red Star clusters. So hopefully <laughs> we'll be talking soon. Actually, we're going to do some. I'm hoping to do some stuff maybe around some of these projects I got coming up. Yeah. Um, Matt Fiddler with Searpick. He's another guy. He's really close with uh, Ed Calderon. Okay. He's he's a fascinating guy. Uh, very, very humble. Nice. And uh, probably the last one is Kyle DeFore. Ah, uh, that name also rings a bell. Yeah, he's another SEAL guy. I, I haven't met him personally, but I've been following him for a while and a lot of uh, close contacts inter, uh, cross paths there. Yeah. And uh, he's just, when you watch his videos, you'll see what I'm talking about. He okay. Goes into the details so you understand it. Not just so you can kind of look on YouTube and replicate. He, he, he details everything out so you get it. Yeah, all the nuances and stuff. Okay. Kyle DeFore, yeah, I got to track him down. Good stuff, man. All right, closing questions. Favorite quote, mantra, saying? Uh, this comes from my uh, uncle-in-law, or I, I don't know how you would put it, my aunt's husband. Okay. Uh, he sent me down one day. He uh, taught me, everybody has something to learn and everybody has something to teach. It doesn't matter if you have, like, Down syndrome or mm -hmm. you are a Tier 1 operator. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody has something to teach you, if you're willing. Yeah, man. No, and, and you no. can learn or everybody has something to teach you and you can teach them too. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It, everybody has something to offer. You just got to figure it out. Yeah, man. No, hundred percent. The glass has got to stay half empty, man. At all times, you learn some things from some people you never suspected, man. You know, if you keep your ears open, that's, that's, that's one way I try to walk through this life, man. You never know who you're talking with, who you're entertaining anybody can kill you never forget so be respectful <laughs> keep your ears open eyes and ears open man that's good stuff i love that um how would you like to be remembered as somebody that made a difference outstanding a positive difference to a lot mm -hmm. of people yeah um, like i said i want to be remembered i i want my life to be so interesting and so outstanding that people want to read about it 
for generations to come. Mm-hmm. If that's not the life I'm living, I'm doing something wrong. So I start okay. every single day. Yes. And it's a daily thing, man. Don't let a day slip by. That's what I think a lot of people do wrong. That's a daily full stop. Here we are 24 hours to live like we're going to die at the end of the night. And Dream. to be clear, it's, I'm not saying that because I want to go down a history or anything like that. That that's that's irrelevant to me. Um, mm. What I'm saying is, I want life to get boring. Um, I want life to be fantastic. I want the stories that I have to tell. I have to water them down because they're just too unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's just that wakes you up every day. Heck yeah, it does, man. And I love when this question comes full circle to the first question, which is, you know, who are you at your core? And then when I hit you with, how do you want to be remembered? And they're the same thing, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's when, you know, the guy's hundred percent congruent. That's good stuff, man. You'd be the hero of your own story, man. Dream like you live forever. Fight like you died at night. That's, that's, that's the way to live. That's the way to live this life, not just exist through it or drive through it, not just coast and you know, uh, you know, just uh, unconsciously drift through it. You know, there's a big, big difference. That's what's up. A habit uh, or something that people should look at implementing into their lives makes them a better person or a better protector. Figure out the people that mean the most to you hmm. and never let them down. It's as simple as that. Because as soon as you start letting people down that actually means something to you, that you value their opinion then you know something's wrong and you need to work really, really hard to get it back. And that's always going to make you a better person. So mm-hmm. when you choose the people you surround yourself with, make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that are worthy. Yes. Because if they're not worthy, then anything you do doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You should be making them proud. That is the habit that I have. Yeah. You now I look at, you know, and it, we bring up Sayoc quite a bit because they're a big component of my life but like two on colin ryan the two on uh council uh jeff syok rich syok tom kyer all of them mm-hmm. um pat Konsing, two on raf and richard all of them uh, especially salak tess it's like who we are represents everything we come from and mm-hmm. all of the ingredients that are coming in our lives and, and what we do with those ingredients means everything so mm-hmm. When we take a look at our actions and our words, it, it's real simple. Are they proud of that? If they're proud of that, then I know I'm on the right path. Yeah. And it, it's not really something where I'm striving to impress them. Mm-hmm. It's something where I'm striving to make them you know, proud. Mm-hmm. And it also goes to your family. It goes to your parents. It goes to your brothers and your sisters and everything else, because those people are just as important to me. And uh, I, I, I want them to be like, yo, you got to meet this guy. This is my brother. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And mm-hmm. just listen to what he's got to say or hang out with him or do whatever it is, because if they're not proud, if they don't speak of you and they're excited, what are yeah. you doing? What are you doing? Why are your habits not setting yourself up for that success? Right. There you go. There you go, man. And then what's it all for, you know? So heck yeah, no, I dig it, man. This has been awesome. Um, well, last question. What are you up to these days? Where can people find you, brother? We got links down below. 
All right. So uh, what I'm up to these days, I work with the Air Force uh, training pre-deployment skills for people going overseas into uh, various environments. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fun. I, I, I get to meet a lot of fantastic people. And uh, some of them scream, some of them Spider-Man out because I'm teaching high threat driving, but they all come back to me and they're they're super happy and super uh, excited about the stuff that I'm teaching them. But on the other end of it, like in the in the uh, public sector, I uh, teach with Adaptive Concepts. So you can find that at adaptiveconcepts.net. Just look for the, uh, the buying ruin that either looks like that Shiro that you got behind you or the Bluetooth symbol or yes, it kind of <laughs> looks like that. I get people asking me about, oh, are you super Christian? I'm like, uh, no, the Shiro, the Shiro. I'm like, it's it's not a Shiro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's not a blue. No, no, no. It's it's who I am uh, and the pieces that really are most important to me. You take a look at it. Uh, one of the things that Odin says is uh, he sacrificed himself to himself. And that's how I look at it. That was my way before I really thought about it or listened to the uh, kill your clone speech myself to myself, I'm sacrificing myself. So I can become a better me. Yes. Um, and, and that's what adaptive concepts is really all about. It's about making yourself a better you. Um, so I, I mostly work uh, behind the scenes. I get a lot of direct contact. My clients are usually one-on-one. Been doing it now for quite a while, but this year I'm, I was hoping to go public, but you know, mm-hmm. COVID's putting a hamper on that. Uh, right, right. Look, looking to go and have a class in Vegas, one up north in uh, Massachusetts area, and then another one in uh, Cleveland area. I'm trying to set those dates up. So yeah, that's that's what's going on right now. Awesome, Tom. Concepts, 100%. Heck yeah, man. No, that's good, dude. I love it. I even love the name Adaptive Concepts. It's gangster, man. That's what's up. That's what it's all about, man. Um, this has been great, man. It's been an honor to spend this time with you. It's been an honor getting to know you. You we align so much. We could sit here and probably talk about trash for the next two or three hours easily, man. Um, really glad we crossed paths. We gotta do some cool stuff for sure. Um, so thank you for coming on the show and spending this time with me, brother. And thanks for the flexibility because you know my schedule be crazy. I'd be all over the place uh, thank you for your patience thank you for having me it's been a blast yes sir all right brother well until next time we'll talk soon boom boom yo what up i hope you guys really enjoyed that episode hey listen in order to get more out of the brand i want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com we post different types of content on our different platforms at different times Uh, You'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, Anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, That helps. That helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out.